power. Welcome to the Accounting Automation Workflow Podcast. This episode of the Accounting Automation Workflow Podcast is sponsored by our launch partner, CorePay One. Picture your bank's bill pay, only better. Get built-in bookkeeping, payments, employee reimbursements, and more with CorePay One. With no monthly fee and unlimited users, CorePay One replaces slow and expensive accounts payable software. CorePay One helps you easily manage your clients' bill pay needs. The accountant dashboard is designed to let you seamlessly navigate between your clients and prioritize their most important bills while recording all of the essential bookkeeping data they need. With CorePay One, you can integrate with tools you're already using, sync your existing accounting system like QuickBooks or Xero to create one seamless automation process. You can even submit bills and receipts on the go with their mobile app, no matter where you are, using your Apple or Android device. Paying bills with CorePay One is easy. You can pay by ACH, check, or even international wire payment. And they even offer an easy way to reimburse your employees. With no monthly fees, per document scanning fees, or user fees, the pricing just makes sense. Head over to accountingautomationworkflowpodcast.promo forward slash CorePay. That's accountingautomationworkflowpodcast.promo forward slash C-O-R-P-A-Y. Automation powered accounting with CorePay One. I'm Heather Satterley. And I'm Brian Clare. And welcome to the Accounting Automation Workflow Podcast, where you can automate your firm one podcast at a time. We're on a quest to eradicate data entry through accounting automation. We certainly are. (laughs) All the time. So you and I were talking and we decided that we don't really talk about, we've never really talked about like when you should automate and when maybe you shouldn't automate. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I guess we've been pushing in every episode, like, do this, do this, do this. We've never really said, when When should you really actually automate? Right. I think that's a really important conversation because, you know, we are people. And with automation, you're really the idea is to take the people out of it, right? And have the machines do all the work, which is what you and I love so much. But when you're on the receiving end of that of side of that, sometimes that's not such a great experience if you're not thoughtful about it. Absolutely agree with that. We both agreed that whenever you're just pushing data from one application to another and there's no human involvement, like that's not a problem at all, right? Because no one's seeing anything. The data's just kind of playing with each other from app to app. <laughs> and there's really no issue with that as long as it's being you know set up correctly. So that automation probably don't have to worry about, right? No, that's, that's, I agree. That's a very simple, straightforward one. You know, it, it sucks to have to enter things twice. So why don't you use some automation to do that? A hundred percent. So when are things that, what are the types of things that where there's people involved, where somebody is going to be on the receiving end of an automation or they have to interact with an automation? I don't know if we want to call that like some of these are almost like quasi automations, like partial automation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like, we talked about previously um, uh, tax return dates or like sales tax date automation, right? So someone has a date coming up where they need to pay some kind of tax and you can automate those deadlines. So, you, you know, you're putting it in someone's profile somewhere and uh, you know, one of these automation apps is pulling the data from there and sending off a message to that client to say, Hey, you have this due on this date, make sure you pay it or, you know, or, or file it, whatever, whatever the options are there that you're doing with your client. 
Right. So just like notifications of this is coming up and you need to do this and we're letting you know. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that, you know, anytime it's a standard, here's a due date that's coming that you need to react to. I think that that absolutely can be automated and should be automated. But I think there's also ways that you can make that automation feel more personal just by the wording that you choose. Right. So, so how might you do that if, uh, if you were sending out an email? So if I was sending an email, like say I was sending a tax reminder, I would say, you know, hey, dear client, um, hope things are going well. And then I would say just a a quick reminder to let you know that your estimated tax payments are due on the 15th of the month. Um, If you you would have received your estimated tax vouchers during our appointment, but if for any reason you need another copy or you'd like us, you know, some things happened reach out to us, right? Give them the option to reach out to us or even include a link to your appointment calendar to say, if you want to meet to, to discuss any changes in your business, click this link. So make it, maybe basically giving them a way to have a face-to-face conversation or voice-to-voice conversation as it were. Yeah. And I think what's important for people to recognize here, what you basically explained is you can still write conversationally, when you're doing right. automated email, right? A lot of these softwares have those placeholders that you can fill in certain things. So these are just data points that you would have in the software. And now what you're saying, Heather, is it sounds like we can actually write that conversationally and throw in those placeholders so that it fills in some of that information. Exactly. And I think another thing that's really important is if your database, whatever the database that you're using, you know, that's fueling these automations with those placeholder fields isn't complete then you need to make sure that the application that you're using to create the you know the emails has some kind of an override to say if this field doesn't exist for this particular record don't include it because i can't tell you how icky it feels to get an automated email from somebody that says dear client name <laughs> <laughs> oh man i actually had one of those today it did say my name it was like hey brian and then at the end it was it was i think it was supposed to say for blueprint accounting but it just yep. said four space period yeah well i mean that's not as bad as if no, it had no. for insert name here yeah, right like right. there's just that that to me that's an automation fail yeah a hundred percent automation fail if it says dear you know open bracket client name close bracket, like you, something's wrong. So and most, placeholder, right? Yeah. And, and you can find in most applications, I don't want to say most applications and most really good applications, there is the option like, and it is an option that you typically have to turn on that says if this field is blank in the record to omit it. So it would just be, you know, instead of dear, it would just start with what the name is, but even better yet, make sure your database is complete, right? That's the best thing to do is just make sure that you have a process in place that all those fields are filled out. Yeah, definitely agree. What's uh, what's another good example here that we have? Well, there's one that you were telling me about was adding reply to when you're creating, like if you're sending an automated communication, the reply to should o- always include a person instead of something like an info at or, you know, a generic email address. Just from what I've seen, at least when we send out like email drip campaigns, we'll do, you know, we use active campaigns. So we sent one uh, last week, actually just saying, hey, we're closed on July 1st and 2nd, by the way, super straightforward. But the nice thing about it was we set it up so that someone could reply directly to a person. 
Right. That person happened to be me. Didn't get too many replies, which is great. I guess people were like, ah, okay, whatever. Blueprint's closed. But uh, I think it makes it seem a little more personal. And like, because when you click reply, it'll it'll actually show that person's name that you're replying to instead of say, you know, like you said, info at, hello at, one of those uh, catch-all email addresses. Right. Because then they don't know it's actually going to someone. And they're like, no one's going to get back to me. The other thing that I do, you know, just to kind of (laughs) go down a little path here is something like a a vacation reminder or a closed office reminder. One trick that that we do in our firm is we say we're going to be closed, but if you have an emergency respond to this email, reply to this email with urgent. And I think we've talked about this on, on the show before in the, in the subject line. And then we have a zap, a Zapier automation that we've built that watches our emails for any subject line that says urgent. And what it does is it sends me a text message. And that way I don't have to check my email when I'm on my day off, right? I don't even think about my email. I don't think about having to go in and check that. But if there is something urgent that a client needs, you know, and to me, urgent's like the police are at my door. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just IRS got a letter in the mail that, you know, I'm going to jail, something like that, right? Yeah. Those are true emergencies. But if they, at least I can read it. And what it does is it actually copies the pot, um, it copies, I think it's the first 25 characters of the message and it sends it to me in a text message. So I can easily see the client clearly feels it's urgent, but I can also see what their, um, you know, what it, kind of figure it, hopefully be able to see what it is. And then I can respond. Yeah. Usually those responses are without even having to go in my email, I can just respond and say, Hey, I got your, your message. This is not an emergency. (laughs) And I'll get back to you when I'm back in the office. Right. Have you ever gotten a text that's like all caps and it says, I am being arrested. And then the rest is just cut off. I'm happy to say that I have never gotten one, gotten one of those. But I also want my clients to feel like, you know, that they have a way to get a hold of me. And that, and honestly, I don't get, I have gotten those before where it wasn't, there were, the police weren't at the door, but it did, did warrant me giving them a phone call. So, and I, and I think that that's just a nice thing to do for your clients is, and that's a nice, it's a good zap. It's a, it's a good zap. It lets me, I don't know, it makes them feel taken care of. Right. Yep. So, yep. So another one is when you're onboarding, you know, when you're onboarding or even during the sales process, we're sending all these forms to people, right? That's the standard now. At least it is in our life. You know, you you get the client, you have the initial meeting, you're like, I'm going to send you this form, please fill it out and give me the information uh, about your company so that I can quote the job, right? Or even get more information so that you can start doing the work. And one of the things that happened to me is I had one of my, one of my favorite clients actually, when we were onboarding her, she actually said, this isn't good customer service. And I was like, really? I'm like, wow. I was, I was actually kind of taken aback a little bit because it's kind of a thing, you know? And she's like, I want you to fill it out with me because I want you to really get to know me. And I was like, wow, I had not thought of it that way. Right. So in response to that, one thing that we've done is we send it, please fill out this form. But we always say at the bottom of the email or, you know, after we say fill out, click this link to fill out this form. If you would rather do it with a face to face meeting or you have any questions or need help, you know, just respond to this email and one of us will schedule a a meeting with you to do it. But it gives them that opportunity that, yeah, we'd prefer if you do it this way, but we're still here for you if you'd rather do it with us. Cool. And that's probably in very small, illegible writing, correct? No, uh, oh, that, that, <laughs> that they could reach out to us? Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's not a small illegible. Right, right? Gotcha. It's not front and center. The front and center is click here to fill out this form. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and 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 we do the same things. Like if I know, and this is something I haven't done with you know my automations, but it could it could be done with most automation technologies. Is if you sense that a client is not super technologically savvy or confident, is to create a path where you could put a code in that says, include this text. That would be a really cool idea, Brian, now that I'm thinking about that. Include the text like, you know, if you need us, reach out to us. And then if they don't have that code that they're maybe a little not super tech savvy, leave it out. Hmm. Something to tinker with. Is that too complicated? Probably, right? Um, Depends what your onboarding workflow is, I guess. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, we we, we kind of did the same thing. I, I've actually turned off our onboarding zap because I'm tinkering with it. Mm-hmm. But we we kind of have the same thing, right? You send out that form, but just gathering basic business information that you might not have gathered during the sales call, right? You know, in, in my mind and probably a lot of accounting firm owner minds, it's like, oh, well, that's that's super straightforward. Why do I have to hold someone's hand? But as you've learned, some people do like that. They do, and you know, we're service based in uh, industry. That's what we do. And so there are definitely going to be people that want that face-to-face or (laughs) voice-to-voice, Zoom-to-Zoom interaction. And, you know, certainly you can choose you're not going to do that. I don't know how well you'll do, (laughs) you know, but I guess some people also, I'm one of those people that like, if I can fill it out myself, I kind of want to do it. I would rather do it myself. That's just my personality, but other people, you know, they'd rather do it with somebody and that's fine. Yeah, that's all right. What else? So, so I guess another one, uh, you know, reminders to submit documentation. I think we, we kind of touched on this in a previous episode, but, you know, we send out a reminder every month around the 25th. Hey, submit your receipts to Dext, that kind yep. of thing, right? And that's doesn't have to be super personal. It's just that, you know, almost like a, a calendar reminder that pops up. Submit your receipts, submit your receipts, right? Same time every month. So not not massively um, personal to clients. And, and in my opinion, it doesn't really need to be. And Brian, we're probably telling them they're going to be getting these automated type emails when we first onboard them, right? This is our process. We're going to send you an automated email. I mean, that's what we tell our clients. You know, if, if uh, we tell them the first of the month, you're going to get an automated email from our practice management system that's going to ask you to supply information and that's where you can comment or ask questions, but it lets you know what we need from you in order to complete the engagement for that month. Yep. Yep. As long as they're aware of it, you know, it's fine. It'd be a big deal. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. I had a client, um, our friend, and I loved this so much and it was, I had never, not really thought of doing this, but bigger companies do. She actually created a persona for some of these initial automations that she had set up for the sales process. So instead of this information, like the emails and things coming from her, because she's she's a small company, it came from this fictitious person that she made up that was aligned aligned with her branding. Like the name of it was, you know, I don't remember what, what the name was, but it was aligned with her branding. So like for Saturday accounting, it could be like sassy or something like that, you know, but it was something like that, that was responding with all the automation. So it felt like you were talking to this person and that person actually didn't exist. Like, nice. It's not a real person. That's, that is funny. So 
I'm sure you've heard of X.ai. Yeah. Yeah. So I, like I, I've signed up for it. I'm on the free version and I was testing it out and I, uh, I tried it out with one client and I was like, Hey Amy, can you book this meeting, you know, on such and such day at such and such time? And the client responded, like, oh, who's Amy? Is this, is this like a new teammate on your team? And I was like, no, actually, that's just a robot. And it does, it feels a little sneaky. Yeah. But it's also kind of cool. Um, I don't know. I, that's an interesting one. How do you guys, listeners, how do you guys feel about that? Like, leave that somewhere. Tag us. Tell us yeah. what you think <laughs> of creating, like, non-existent people bots that work for your work for your company i don't know it's kind of the business feel bigger than it is yeah yeah so when you're doing automations what shouldn't we do brian uh i mean we we kind of touched on it yeah definitely write conversationally so basically the don't is don't make it sound robotic right add add the placeholders in for client names different pieces of information related to the clients that you're going to add into these emails that might go out uh, so, so don't, don't sound robotic. Definitely. Don't make it impersonal. Mm-hmm. Try not to make it impersonal. Yep. Unless it's a, unless it's a collection automation and then it should be totally impersonal. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> only, only on the forms. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so, and then the other, I think this is like a huge tip. Don't ever create an automation without analyzing the process first. I think the biggest mistakes I ever made when I first started, you know, tinkering with automations, especially automations in in the no code apps like Zapier was not thinking through the entire process. It was like creating the band aid, Mm -hmm. right? I don't want to do this anymore. So I'm just going to write this automation and and things can go awry uh, when you do that. Yeah. I think the kind of moral of the story that maybe both of us have learned is like, think about the long-term process. What's it going to be down the road Mm -hmm. and then sort of, plan out that process and uh, and plug in the automation where needed. Definitely. And and creating automations like the Band-Aid automations, they're fun to do. And I'm not telling anybody that you shouldn't do those, but do it, don't do it with live data. Like create a sandbox where you can safely play and figure out what you can do, especially in, you know, apps like Zapier, right? That is so fun. And you will like, once you start automating things and you start freeing up your time, you kind of want to automate, you know, kind of, you definitely want to automate more and more stuff. And so having a sandbox environment is just so awesome because you can go in and create these automations, let them run for a while in the sandbox, and then, you know, kind of reevaluate. You're not touching any live data. You're not, you know, you're not interacting with any like real people. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, one very, very simple way to do this is use yourself in your automations, yeah. right? So your personal email, another email that you have very, very simple way. I know you've done that before in the past. All the time. I send myself a lot of emails, <laughs> or Slack messages or whatever, but I'm constantly tinkering. I know you are too. Absolutely. I was doing it last week and like all these messages started popping up in Microsoft Teams. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure my team was like, what the hell's going on here? I know. I have to send out global Slack messages to my team to say I'm playing with Zapier so they know that real stuff isn't happening. Yeah. <laughs> no Definitely. action required. And then what's also cool is when I'm writing Zaps for people, 
like real clients where I'm writing as app for them. I do it with all my stuff first and then I just unhook it and then connect there after I've done the proof of concept and I know that it's working. Yep. And I just, you know, disconnect my sandbox companies and connect it to their real live data. So what about um, some kind of tread carefully tips here for uh, when to automate? What, what are some ones that we've kind of talked about? Yeah, well, anytime you're dealing with sensitive information, you have to be careful when you're doing automation, right? Because, you know, first of all, I've set up uh, automations that grab content from an email or something. But if a client sends me an email that's super sensitive, and all of a sudden, that's being sent somewhere, I need to be careful with that, right? Mm -hmm. So just be aware that when you're designing an automation that it may not always go the way that you have it kind of in your head. And I don't, I want, I was going to say like people won't use it as it's designed and that's not exactly what I mean, but kind of what I mean. <laughs> I don't know how better to phrase it, Brian, but you know, if, if for example, if I had, say I had a, a zap that went from a Slack message to social media, right? I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Every time we have a woohoo, you know, something good happens. We're going to just post it on Twitter. Well, what if somebody posts in that channel something really sensitive, like a client name or, you know, something else, and all of a sudden it's getting tweeted? Like, I feel like those are things that when you first start getting excited about automation and building things that you don't necessarily think about until something bad happens, right? Yeah, yeah, I think, was it, we might have talked about this on a previous episode, but I I thought you had mentioned something or or was just like when you and I were talking about uh, one of your team members changing up an automation, you thought that they posted something like that. I did. Yes. So she had gone into Zapier and we actually do have a Zap that, that sends into our Slack channel. Woohoo. We got a new client. It's got the client's name and it's got, you know, what we're doing for them and all this stuff goes into the Slack channel to let our team know what's happening. I write, I think I talked about it on the last episode and I was, you know, my Twitter notification came up and I said, woohoo. So-and-so is just on your schedule. I'm like, what? that's funny it was not that's not what happened that was yeah it was all good it was her promoting the fact that i was going to teach how to do that in slack so nice yeah Mm. so i I guess moral of the story like you can actually automate some of the sensitive info but it has to be like very very specific right and then just be aware yeah like half of your half of your info is captured and the other half you just have to go get it from the client like that's fine automated half the process. Right. Exactly. And you need to be, you know, tread carefully when a person's interacting with the automation, as I mentioned, because they may do something that you don't expect or that yep. you didn't expect when you were crafting the automation. Yeah. Also, I would say, know what you're trying to accomplish. So you should have the end goal in mind. What are you trying to do? Are you, you know, we don't automate for automation's sake. You're automating to save time, save money, and, you know, make your processes more streamlined. So just be sure that you know what you're trying to accomplish and make sure the automation is going towards that goal. Yeah. Like we kind of said, like think about the long-term implications of the automation and and actually consider that instead of just doing that kind of the bandaid, right? Like I want to do something with this automation. So I'll just do this. But what are the actual long-term implications of doing that? Yeah. And I think I've said it before. Brian, that when I first started writing my own automations in Zapier, I mean, this is less, and I think it's important to say that this is less 
of an issue when you're dealing with automations that are built into apps that you use, like notifications and actual integrations between systems. Mm -hmm. But when you're using a no-code app to build your own custom automations, a lot of, when I first started, I would get an idea, build the automation. And before I realized that I had like tens apps that were basically actions that triggered off the same thing. And if I had just taken the moment to map out the entire process, I would have realized that I could have done it in one app, right? Instead of 10, right? Like when somebody signs an engagement letter, I'm going to do this. And then like the next day I'd be like, oh, when somebody signs an engagement letter, I'm going to do this. And, you know, and all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, I can have multiple actions. On this <laughs> and so I had to go consolidate this. This was years ago, but I had to go consolidate this app. But I think that's graduating from that band-aid mentality of like, oh, I'm going to automate this without thinking about the entire process. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I mean, tw- what was it? 10, tw- 10, 10 uh, one-step zaps, I guess, or one mm-hmm. 10-step zap. And that's important because with those no-code platforms, you only get a certain, most of the plans, you only get a certain number of zaps. Yeah. And so if I had 10 that were firing off the same trigger, that was incredibly inefficient. Definitely. (laughs) Awesome. So automation challenge this week, document your process for sending annual engagement letters. Yes, that is a great step. Like you have to send those annual engagement letters. And I'm not even going to talk to talk about if you don't have engagement letters. Like that's an entirely different conversation. And but I I hope that people do or or all the listeners, I please have an engagement letter. Yes, please. If, if that, that should be a separate challenge on its own. If you don't have an engagement letter, go get one and make sure that every engagement, every engagement has one and that you're not doing any work, any work without an engagement letter. Like you have an engagement letter to do tax and your client calls you up and says, Hey, can you start paying bills for me? You need a new engagement letter because now you're doing a different service. So, um, yeah, make sure you do that. And then document what your current process is for sending the annual engagement letter. So usually, especially if you're doing tax services, you need an engagement letter every year, right? Mm -hmm. Or every time that that engagement kind of rolls over. What's your process for that? Are you typing up individual Word docs? Are (laughs) you doing a mail merge? Are you using an application? Because that's a really powerful place that you could automate. Absolutely. And I mean, in next episode, in, or in the next episode, we, you know, we'll be talking about actually documenting your processes and how to actually go about doing that and try to automate some of it. Definitely, Doc. We have I have some really cool tools, and I know yeah. you do too, Brian, to help people to document their processes. And definitely, that seems really overwhelming when you think about it. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't have time to document my processes. Yeah, you kidding? I got to do the work. Yeah, this is one we actually just changed on how to document our processes recently. So. <laughs> Uh, some some nice technology around that, absolutely. Yeah, so we'll we'll stay tuned. You don't want to miss the next episode because we're gonna we're gonna talk about some apps that are very very likely going to change your life. Yeah. So, all right, good episode. I think this is a really great conversation. Yeah, totally agree. Well, cool. Well, thanks everybody. My name is Heather Satterly. My name is Brian Clare. And this is the Accounting Automation Workflow Podcast. We're here to help you work less by automating more.